And I imagine people going, the what? Because that's certainly what I did when I first heard about it. I was like, what's, what, what's Is that the nerve people get on? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that definitely needs some support then. Hello, 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 and welcome to Well Shit. It really is that simple. I'm Claire. And I'm Serena. On this podcast, we help you to understand about your 12 universal needs, why they are currently not being well met, how to meet them in ways that work for you, and how to consistently do so in quick, easy, and simple ways that fit seamlessly into your life. We'll also help you to understand how doing so will have a positive ripple effect in literally every area of your life. If you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. And enjoy the show. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everyone. So today we're talking about a really important topic because it is something that affects so many people. We've experienced it in our own lives. We've seen it in clients. We've seen it in our communities. We've seen it in the people that we love and care about. We see it so much in society, and that is anxiety. So almost every client that I have ever worked with has been dealing with anxiety at some point during our time working together. And anxiety has it's almost become a way of life in this kind of high-paced, fear-driven, scarcity-fed society, but it doesn't always have to be. Um, in my experience, the, the presence of anxiety that isn't clinically diagnosed is almost all, always either a reaction to unmet need or unmet needs in the past, a reaction to an unmet need or unmet needs in the present, a fear that one or more of our needs will not be met in the future, or some combination of the three. I actually just want to jump in right here. Claire did mm-hmm. mention that the presence of anxiety that isn't a clinical diagnosis. I want to say is um, speaking as a person who does have a diagnosis, my experience with the needs work, that even with a diagnosis, this information can still be helpful for you. Absolutely. Well, it's certainly been helpful for you. I'm, and, and we obviously we're not kind of doing a universal statement about everybody with a diagnosis. But as someone with a diagnosis, I know so that you personally have found it very helpful, right? Yes. So when you understand this and you begin to, you can pinpoint which one of these is causing the anxiety or which combination of these is is causing the anxiety that you're experiencing, it's easier then to uh, address the anxiety in in the most effective way. Because once you know which one is which one is up, you know what you're going to be able to do in order to start approaching that and, and addressing it. The other thing is important to say is that the lower on the needs tree that your needs are either at risk or have been compromised, the more intense the anxiety is going to be. Because as we know, the lower on the needs tree that we are focusing, the more essential those needs are to our survival and well-being. So just quick overview for if you haven't already um, uh, seen the the um, uh, listened to the podcast about the universal needs tree i think it's episodes one and three where we go through it um but just quick overview right now is that we've got those 12 universal needs the 12 universal needs fall into four groups the four groups correspond to the four different sections of a tree we have the roots of the tree which are our survival needs so these are the needs that relate to our survival we've got the trunk of the tree which relate to our internal well-being our intrinsic needs we've then got the branches of the tree which are our growth and and, an expansion um, and interconnection and then we've got the roots of Uh, the the roots the fruits (laughs) and leaves of the tree which are our enriching needs so obviously if we're looking at the the uh, the, um, needs we're speaking about the needs that are in the roots of uh, the the, survival needs or the needs that relate to our internal well-being if these are the ones that are being affected then the chances are our anxiety around them is going to be more intense because they're more essential for our, our, our survival and our well-being 
The other thing is that feelings of anxiety tend to be amplified when multiple needs are being affected in this way. So when we're not just talking about having one need that maybe wasn't met in the past, isn't being met in the future, or a fear of it being met in the future, but multiple needs are also being affected in this way. So for example, not having enough rest, plus having challenges in a close relationship, plus having unprocessed anger or grief, plus, plus, plus. The more pluses there are, the more intense the anxiety is likely to be. By learning to consistently meet our known our own needs in fulfilling ways, we provide a healing balm to each of these triggers. Mm-hmm. When we learn to meet our needs in fulfilling ways, we actually begin the healing process of the traumas we've experienced through not having our needs met in the past. By becoming the parent to our own inner child, giving it exactly what it needs in the present, and most importantly, what it needed but didn't get in the past. We can actually begin to recover and so- recover from and soothe old wounds and break the cycle of trauma for our own and the next generations. Yeah. When we learn what our 12 universal needs are and we're able to check into our body and really listen to and hear what the need is in the moment, we're able to ensure that our needs are effectively met in the present. Mm-hmm. And when we know exactly how to meet all of our 12 universal needs for ourselves in a multitude of ways that feel fulfilling to us and create a practice of doing so consistently, we can be reassured that our needs will re- our needs will remain met in the future. Right. So in order to be effective in this way, we need to identify what needs specifically either weren't, aren't, or we're afraid of that won't be met. This way we can focus our attention on those needs and as these needs are the ones that need the most nourishment to reduce our ex- as these needs are the ones that need the most nourishment to reduce our anxiety. So we want to pay attention to the needs that are most affected because those are the needs that are actually going to affect our levels of anxiety more than anything else. Yes. When we're able to meet these needs for ourselves, we can finally let go of that high alert that has been created in living in a society which Our 12 universal needs are consistently neglected and compromised. And I want to make a note that this is even more so for marginalized folks. Absolutely. When we know how to do this, our body and our nervous system can start to relax and breathe. Mm -hmm. I I just wanted to pause for a second and say, when we've been in a situation where anxiety has been present and then we understand which needs are up, which needs need to be uh, taken care of, and we actually meet those needs in that moment... There's this kind of feeling of, you can kind of feel it melting away. That anxiety kind of melts away and it gives us that space to be able to breathe again. It gives that the ability to go, okay, I'm okay. And now we can start to move forward. It gives us more resilience in that moment and it allows us to to address the things that have been causing the anxiety, which creates that kind of, that melting away effect. I know it's something that you personally have experienced as well. Yes, and actually mm. just watching you in the video right now, as you, you know, you're tensed up thinking of anxiety and then you do that breath and like everything, the shoulders drop. The shoulders <laughs> drop. You give yourself a pause. You're able to think. That's actually getting that ding, ding, ding that we've talked about of meeting multiple needs. Absolutely. So it's important to find quick, simple, and easy ways to meet your root needs as these are the ones that are most um, intent, creating the most intense anxiety. So there are lots of ways to do this. Um, One of my favorites, setting good boundaries, Mm -hmm. setting boundaries for yourself, setting boundaries for others, boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. We talk about it a lot. We're going to be talking about it a lot. Um, We're going to be doing (laughs) a little uh, series on it as Mm -hmm. well. So setting good boundaries is one of my favorite ways to do this. Allowing yourself to rest into sleep is so important because this is where if you're not rested, you're not able to 
you don't have the resources yeah, to deal with what's going on, right? Yeah, just in general. I mean, that's that kind of if you're if you're tired, if you haven't gotten enough rest and sleep, I mean, like even if you're just trying to get out of Function. bed, yeah, yeah, getting out of bed is hard right. when you haven't slept, right? Absolutely. And I just wanted to go quickly back to the setting of boundaries. And one of the reasons that setting of boundaries is is so important is that so often anxiety is caused by. Um, what other people are and aren't doing or what other people may may do or not do. And so by setting good boundaries, we are able to manage the impact to us of that uh, of, of, the, of those situations. And that's the reason that setting good boundaries, yes, we, we can set good boundaries with ourselves, but so often anxiety is caused by what's happening outside of us. And boundaries are one of the ways that we can we can mitigate and minimize the impact to us of those. Yes. And another thing is letting yourself cry if a lot of emotion comes up. And I feel like this is one that a lot of people feel, oh, I can't cry. I can't let out that emotion. And sometimes it's not the appropriate time or space or you don't feel comfortable, but we bottle it in and we hold it and then we just let something else come on top of it and it compresses. Or we met that, that one little single tear, but actually what we're what we're really needing to, to, to process the emotion and to release the um to release the emotion that is is causing our emotional experience and expression need to be unmet that that not expressing it is what creates the unmet need which creates the anxiety sometimes what we need we need a good old sob we need mm-hmm. that kind of good old like what what can we do <laughs> yeah that wailing ugly ugly crying kind of thing where we can really let it out and sometimes we can't do that in the moment that's where the single tear might come in or we we might find another way of coping but actually letting yourself to allow that emotion to kind of come through in the way um, that is actually going to one of the need most uh, most accurately and and, uh, and meet the need most effectively. Yes, because we talk about in um, a previous episode, I can't even pretend to remember remember the number on it, but about the pressurized in that kind mm-hmm. of pressure cooker. And think about it, if you let one little out of the pressure cooker. A little bit of pressure is gone, but if you don't release that rest of that pressure at some point, it's still there. Absolutely. I actually think it might be the How to Stop Yourself from Burning Out episode. I think yes. that's episode 18. If if you want to go back and listen to that, go go right ahead. It's a great episode. Um, another way that it really, really helps is to get out into nature to feel more grounded. And this can mm-hmm. mean a lot of different things. Right. This can be just stepping outside into the fresh air, taking a breath, really just kind of breathing in the outside it could be using your senses hearing what's going on seeing smelling it could be lying on the ground to feel more supported by the earth which oh. i know is somebody else's oh where did you where did you hear that that's a good idea a brilliant woman taught that to me <laughs> it's but, one of my favorite ways of meeting my needs so yes and it's and it, i remember when you first you know went through there and you're like oh i like to feel the support of like the earth actually physically having my back, like lying on the ground and feeling it having my back. And I was like, okay. <laughs> grounding myself wasn't something, I mean, I used the term grounding myself. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to ground myself, I plant my ass in a chair. Like that's not <laughs> grounding myself. But in, when I finally started to actually do that and actually visualizing the earth having my back, I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> like, 
Oh my god, it was <laughs> Well shit, it is that simple. <laughs> well, and I remember you had a there was another really close friend of yours um who also was like, Oh my god, that's such a good like it works really well. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how these things are like, well, it can't be that simple really, can it? Apparently. That sounds silly. That wouldn't work. Yeah. But when you actually Try it. <laughs> yeah, allow yourself to lie down and actually feel the earth, like feel the pressure against your body and feel like it is holding you and supporting you and having your back and like just relaxing into that feeling for a moment. I just even just thinking about it right now, I'm like, oh, oh, that feels good. That feels so supportive right now. <laughs> and try it. And if you don't have a space of earth so to speak do it on your floor do it if you're sitting if you can't do it in your bed do it on your bed do it in the chair that you're sitting in just feel that something else has got you absolutely and the thing about it is that might not work for you and that's okay there will be other ways of feeling this these are just some ideas some Mm -hmm. some suggestions that can that could act as a little starter for tanning getting us going yes some of our favorites yes absolutely so when anxiety comes up one thing that is really important to know about is how to support the vagus nerve and i imagine people going the what because that's certainly what I did when I first heard about it. I was like, what's, what, what's Is that the nerve people get on? Yes. (laughs) Oh, that definitely needs some support then. So no, that is not, I mean, it might be the nerve people get, it's not how I know it. So the vagus nerve, vagus, the word actually means, it originates from the word wanderer. And um, this nerve, it originates in the brainstem and literally like wanders through the whole body. So it's wandering all the way down into the belly. It spreads um, fibers to the tongue, to the pharynx, um, to the vocal cords to the lungs, the heart, the stomach, the intestines uh, and glands that produce anti-stress enzymes and hormones, the ones that influence digestion and metabolism, and of course, the relaxation response. So stimulating and toning the vagus nerve has a a huge number of effects on the body and it meets a lot of needs. It meets, especially in those, the roots of the tree, there are lots of root needs and also the um, the trunk needs that, that that kind of light up when we start taking care of the vagus nerve. So for example, it triggers a signal in your system to slow down your heart rate. It's really funny. Just talking about it, so I'm like, oh, we can slow down. I mean, I know sometimes we can talk a bit quickly. I'm like, oh, I feel like I want to go slow now. Like slow down the heart rate, decrease the blood pressure. It decreases cortisol, which is known as the stress hormone. And it juice, induces feelings of calm. It also increases your capacity to deal with pressure and your resilience to stress. It helps you recover from stress much more quickly. And it activates the parasympathetic system. So that's the one that, that's colloquially, colloquially known as the rest and digest system. So there are lots and lots of different ways to do this. As usual, Google is your friend. Go and ask it. How do I stimulate the vagus nerve? How do I tone the vagus nerve? There are a whole heap of suggestions out there. But one that I found particularly helpful is something called VU breathing. So I learned about this um, when dismantling white privilege and, um, and um, my, a way to increase my capacity to stay in the work when it's uncomfortable and be effective in it. I actually think it was um, Abigail Rose Clark that first taught me about the vagus nerve. Um, And I've seen Jennifer um, Sterling of Bodyful Healing 
Uh, which is, uh, I'm just going to read this to make sure I get it accurate. An organization that offers dance slash movement, psychotherapy and depression support for black women. Um, Jennifer Sterling has shared it as a technique to support with the following. And this is a direct quote from her. I truly believe that a big part of the healing process for people of color is self-regulation, creating space for our bodies to come into balance and recover from the stress and strain of living in a society where we are oppressed and marginalized on a daily basis. These periods of periods of recovery foster resilience and increased vitality so what is vu breathing so vu breathing is a technique and as with any kind of breathing technique obviously only do this if you have no medical issues that will cause any problems with doing a breathing exercise and if you're concerned or have any question on this obviously check with the physician but what we're going to do if you're uh, if you don't have any conditions and you've been advised it's, it's okay to do so you're feeling comfortable that this will be a good technique for you to try is you sit as comfortably as you can and as we were just talking about, you feel the support of the ground or the chair or the bed underneath you. And actually, like as I'm sitting on it, just so I'm, I'm, I'm going to adjust slightly in my chair so I can feel more grounded. Um, and what I'm actually doing is that I'm feeling the support of the chair underneath me. I actually also have my feet flat on the floor and I'm feeling the support of the earth underneath my feet as well. So what we want to do is like relax into that support as much as we're able to in that moment. We're going to take a deep belly breath and what you want to do is you want to notice your belly expanding as you breathe in your shoulders shouldn't move too much at all I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do a quick belly breath now so you can see what I mean so we're gonna go so as I've done that my belly is like fully expanded right now but if you notice if you're watching on the video there was no movement to my shoulders whatsoever or very very minor movement and um, so what you're going to do is once you've got that, that full belly breath, you're going to breathe out making a deep voo sound for three counts or as long as feels com comfortable for you. And as we're going to do that, we're going to see if we can to aim the sound at our belly and chest. If you've got any vocalists among us, you will know that uh, all about the difference between the head, mouth and um, the head head mouth and chest if you're on the video i apparently don't know what my head and what my chest is because i've just done them the wrong way around i have a little nursery rhyme head, for yeah. you later <laughs> okay um so um your head mouth and chest voice so what we want to do is we want to use the resonating cavity that is our chest to really kind of um resonate the sound and if possible feel the vibrations in your chest your body your arms even your legs if you can so i'm going to do this one time just so that you can kind of get an idea of how it works and what i tend to find is quite helpful is to put a hand of like put my palm on my chest so I can physically feel the vibrations through my hand as well. So I can kind of feel if I'm really kind of getting in there. So it goes something like this. So what you do then is you wanna repeat the breath and the voo sound for maybe three to five minutes or as long as you're enjoying it as long as you feel comfortable if you need to stop before three minutes stop at any point uh, at the point at which you feel comfortable to do so and then whenever you feel you want to stop let go of the deep breath and the voo sound and just simply re return to your normal breathing again and as usual with uh, whenever you do any kind of breath work quite often we're taking deeper breaths than we're used to we're, we're kind of taking a little bit more oxygen that we're used to just make sure that you feel comfortable before moving again sometimes we can get a little bit lightheaded or the, the world can get a little bit wobbly for a second so we just want to make sure that we're feeling good and we're feeling grounded and solid before we get up and move again but this is a it's a technique that I use 
on a regular basis. And the other thing that I found with this is it's a great technique that in a, in the moment where anxiety comes up, I can use view breathing to start to give myself that support and start to reduce those feelings of anxiety. And while I'm doing the view breathing, I can be thinking about, okay, what needs are being impacted right now? What needs are unmet right now? And what is something I can do to meet them? So I can use that time to start. So I've got the coping mechanism in, in, in the short term, which is the view breathing. And then what I can do is I can immediately then jump in with understanding what needs are being unmet and what are the things that I can do immediately right here right now in order to meet those needs one other thing that I would just want I feel that I I should just kind of jump in and say here right now is that when we talk about meeting needs we talk about meeting our own needs a lot and of course that's something that's very important our needs as adults who are capable of meeting our own needs they are our responsibility it's important to say that yes we we are able to meet a lot of our own needs and we do still have a need for community and connection and belonging as well so uh, it's not to say that um, we don't have that that we're so focused on um, our ultra independence is actually a trauma response like that that I don't need anybody else is I like I'm trying to be self-sufficient because I've been traumatized in my relationships with others and so I want to not have to deal with anybody else so that I so that I don't get in, uh, uh, impacted any further so we don't want to get into that space what we want to be in this this space where we're taking care of our needs and that we are also creating connection and communication uh, connection and community and relationship with other people but we're not getting dependent on a single person we're doing that with multiple people where we're getting those needs met in alignment with also being able to meet the, our own needs where we can as well yeah, it's kind of the relinquishment of a dependency. Yes, over being oh, with, at, on other people with other people. Yes, yeah, absolutely. We thought it might be helpful um, for me to share a little bit of my experience as somebody who has a diagnosis of a clinical diagnosis of anxiety, mm-hmm. and. I remember at one point it kind of felt helpless. I was like, "Well, I've been diagnosed. You know, if whatever medication I'm on isn't handling, there's just really no help for me." And that was so far from the truth. And how this has been helpful for me is there are two layers to anxiety. As you experience them. As I experience them, Mm -hmm. yes. The first is my diagnosis, which kind of creates a baseline. Like I realize that my makeup, I'm a little bit more anxious than the average person normally. (laughs) And you you have tools and techniques and medications to help support you with that, right? Exactly, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's another layer of anxiety that comes into my life, which is just the general anxieties of being an adult, of trying to operate in the world that we're living with. Like the day-to-day anxiety, right? Yes, the day-to-day, the ones that I can kind of, I I can anticipate, the ones I see coming, the the triggers that I know I have, that I have control, quote-unquote, control (laughs) over. You have choice over. I do have... (laughs) Thank you. You're very welcome. We're going to start getting that as the, you know. Substitution. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to extinguish control from my vocabulary. (laughs) Um, But it really was important because I was able to kind of eliminate those extra layers of anxiety when Mm -hmm. I felt like my base is my base. And some days are great. Some days I'm feeling a little less at my base because of my diagnosis, but generally... For me personally, I have a consistent, mm-hmm. it, but those anxieties, those everyday anxieties that would come in above, I was letting them compound. Mm-hmm. So I had my baseline and then I was compounding on top of it. And then, and, 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 because I right. feel like any day can be completely anxiety filled if you allow yourself to kind of succumb to it. Mm-hmm. 
But now I'm able to be like, to tap into the things like, oh, I feel, I'm feeling anxious. Okay, why am I feeling anxious? If I'm able to identify why I'm being anxious, I can figure out what need needs to be met. Mm -hmm. My clinical diagnosis makes me anxious and there is no real rhyme or reason. I'm just anxious. But if I'm able to tap into it, I'm like, no, I know what's causing this. There's an unmet need. What need is that? Okay, here are a bunch of ways I can meet that need for myself. And then I can try and it's like, oh, that usually works. Okay, well, that didn't work. Let me try this. And I have these this kind of selection of options of different ways to meet these mm-hmm. needs so that I'm not compounding my anxiety at the baseline. I'm eliminating the everydays when possible, as possible, so that I am able to feel less as less in a consistent state of anxiety. Right. And like I said, initially, I really thought I was like, you know, this it, me trying to treat my anxiety myself. I'm like, no, this is a clinical thing. It needs a doctor. And some of it does. Mm -hmm. However, there's a lot I'm able to manage on my own. And that has been so empowering and so helpful in so many ways. And it was interesting because that was never something that we realized was a part of this program and this work. This wasn't something that I was like, oh, I'm setting out to do something to help people with their anxiety. Uh, it was just something that through the through the course, I realized it, it was helpful whenever I was feeling anxious. And then it was even more interesting when Serena came along and uh, as somebody who has an anxiety diagnosis, to have um, to have her share that because um, obviously we weren't expecting this to have an impact on anxiety for her because of the diagnosis, but then realizing for her to be able to recognize and realize and articulate, hold on, actually there are these different types of anxiety that I'm experiencing in my life, and to see that it was actually helping with some of those that in some respects was actually helping to make the the baseline easier to cope with because mm-hmm. you didn't have all these other things on top of it. That was really interesting. It wasn't something we expected, but it was something that was really interesting when we saw it coming coming to the fore. Yeah, and it was super exciting for me because I've been dealing with anxiety my whole life. Mm-hmm. So it's I've always kind of felt pressurized and now it's like, ah, that, bre- that <laughs> breath. That breath is such an amazing <sighs> thing. Yeah. Just like, oh, all right. I can can breathe right now. Yes, it's Mm -hmm. going to be okay and I can meet my needs. So they're going to get met. Mm -hmm. So do you have some examples that you can share of where this has come up for you? No, not at all. Okay, I guess that's that's the end of our our podcast for today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Uh, I have tons of examples. (laughs) Um, I'm going to pick a couple of choice ones that I think might be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one is one that came up kind of recently, and it was the the context was around me leaving the job career that I have not the universal needs. Yeah, don't don't worry. She's not walking away away from the universal needs. (laughs) No. Um, It's actually so I can focus more on the universal needs and getting this out um, to everybody to help people. Mm -hmm. So I had two things that I, that really met my needs for me. I would, you know, I do utilize work to meet my needs in certain ways as we all do. Mm -hmm. And I used to do that a lot more where I was, I was, I was letting work meet my needs. I was expecting work to meet my needs. I was going to work to meet my needs. More importantly, you were dependent on work to meet your needs. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, as well as some other areas, as we all have been, I was, I was dependent on work to meet my needs for a long time as I was in other areas. When you don't know how to meet your needs for yourself, it's very easy to, to to have these um, dependencies uh, appear and develop because 
in the absence of another way of doing it, we use the things around us. And how 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 many hours a day do we spend at work? Of course, that's going to be one of the ways that we're going to utilize if we don't have other ways of doing it. Yeah. And my anxiety, just the thought of leaving, I had been conditioned to think that work was meeting my needs, even though I know I know that now I know I can meet my own needs. I've been practicing it. I've been doing it. But still, I was like, "Ooh, wait, all these needs are going to be compromised by me leaving. And this anxiety tailspin started happening. I'm like, and what about this and this need 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 and this need. And I was I was starting to spin myself out. Mm-hmm. And that was just I mean, I was just pulling things. It wasn't like I, I, I wasn't this wasn't the diagnosis of anxiety for me. That was kind of perpetuating it but there were these little instances I was like and 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 mm-hmm. once I had a conversation um with Claire and another um another um person in business the conversation actually made me realize that my needs would be better met through leaving that the anxiety was costing my needs and not just the anxiety of the thought of leaving, but the anxiety that I was dealing with on a daily basis, trying to balance, you know, our business, um, my work, then being a person and an adult and all the things that go along with that. And I think that one of the things that came clear out of the the conversation that you and I had that I it was just really, it was really interesting to see your... Um, <clears throat> this kind of dawning realization as it as it became clear and that was that you had this anxiety that leaving this job this role was gonna um compromise your needs and then what we looked at was how many needs were being compromised by staying in the role and I remember you were like oh oh okay oh my goodness you're right. Like, and it wasn't like I was going, oh, you'll need this, 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 and this need is being compromised. I was just asking questions to help. And Serena was like, oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's compromising this, this, oh, and it's compromising that need. Oh, and that need. Oh, and that be that need a lot. Oh, and that need. And it was so interesting because the, the anxiety was being caused because you were focusing on the needs that would be compromised by leaving. You hadn't actually realized or recognized how many needs were being compromised by staying Mm -hmm. and it was like I watched the anxiety melt out of you as we were having the conversation like oh oh yeah okay so the thought of leaving no longer created that same level of anxiety especially because you knew that you had other ways of meeting those needs and actually you started to get quite excited about it didn't you yes it was kind of cool to see the removal of the anxiety actually created the space for creation it's like Oh, what am I able to do now? Like all of the things that had been kind of holding me back where my needs weren't getting met and they were being compromised and being cost, I was able to actually kind of change the script for myself. Yeah. And the anxiety pretty much went away around that. There was still a little like, mm, life changes. There's always going to be uncomfortability, but it was okay. And I well, knew no matter what happened... I was going to be able to meet my needs. Right. And the thing about it is, is that familiarity is one of the ways that we tend to get our security need met. Yes, it, it, familiarity is, is, is sometimes very, very comforting and it, it allows us to feel kind of physically and emotionally safe and everything. And sometimes that can be working against us because sometimes change is the thing that's going to meet our needs better. And so, yes, it might compromise your need a little bit, 
but actually it might meet your needs a whole heap more. And that was, I think, where we, where the, where the focus shifted. And all of a sudden it was like, of course, there's still a little bit of anxiety there. There's that little bit of, oh, okay, this is going to be different. This is going to be, so it reminds me of a story I heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, um, but I think that there are probably people for who this is true. And so I'm, I'm happy to share it. The example that I heard was, I think it was somebody who was speaking to Carly Simon, I believe, about having stage fright before she goes out to perform. And forgive me if the uh, if the reference is wrong or I, I've got I've got the wrong celebrity, but I think this, as I recall, this is what it was. And in it, she, they were asking her um, to describe what happens before she goes on stage. And she was like, "Well, before I go on stage, I, my my mouth gets dry, my palms get sweaty, my heart is racing, I start sweating." Uh, and she's like, "I'm just terrified of going out there." And then apparently um, this person also spoke to, I think it was Bruce Springsteen, about what his experience is before he goes out on stage. And they said, oh, can you explain like what happens when you, before you go on stage? He's like, my, my, my mouth gets dry, my palms get sweaty, my heart is racing, I start sweating. That's how I know I'm ready to go out and perform. Now, I'm not saying this is always the case, but sometimes once we, um, once we deal with the underlying needs that are being effective, uh, what it does is allows the anxiety to melt away and sometimes anxiety and excitement can actually be very similar we can experience it in very similar ways and I think that's what I saw with you is like it was a similar kind of charge but the charge whereas previously it was anxiety taking care of those needs and knowing that they were going to get met all of a sudden it was still charged but it was there was an excitement to it as well and I kind of watched that difference happen between between within you between those kind of those two moments and I actually and it was cool for me because I really felt it I was like because for so long, I've been in that like space and just that ability to exhale and be like, oh, like, it, you know, <laughs> I'll like, do that again. <laughs> I don't that, think that, I was, that was kind of tuneful. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to get it on a replay. <laughs> um, I do have another example I'd like to share. And um, that is about the anxiety I used to have um, going home as an adult. And mm-hmm. Prior to doing the and buying home, buying home, you mean like going back to your hometown, going, going back. back to the place that you grew up, right? Yes, not like home to your house. <laughs> yes, not home to my house. Yeah. <laughs> um, and because there were family dynamics, and whenever I'd go home, I'd go and stay in my childhood home, which my grandmother lived in um, still, and. There was just, there was a lot. And Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of history. There was a lot in the present and there was always the unknowing of the future. (laughs) And there was a lot that created anxiety for me Mm -hmm. in going home and especially as an adult. And this used to be a trip, it used to be a trip where it was like, yeah, I'm going home. Like it was never really exciting. Like I really want to see, you know, all the people. I want to see my family. I liked being in my home, so to speak. But there was always this anxiety because of what needs weren't going to get met by other people. Well, or what needs were going to get impacted by the other people who were there as well. Mm-hmm. Like that, I remember that that there was it was almost like you'd have to psych yourself up to go home. It's like, okay, like I know I want to go back and see these people, but mm-hmm. okay, right, I got to brace myself yes. for what's going to happen while I'm there, and and the anxiety in the run up to you going home and I know the anxiety experience while you were there like waiting for what's the next thing that's going to happen mm-hmm. um was was pretty significant right yeah and actually that's really a you know the way you said that I did I had to brace myself I had to talk myself into it so from the second that I knew I was going to be traveling back up north I'd kind of get that that 
like kind of confined, like, oh, like I was in impact mode. Like I'm like, oh, when is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? Mm-hmm. And my entire being was just tense and anxiety filled. It's like if you if you go through, um, if, have you, if you've ever been in a car accident, if you can see it coming, like you tense, you brace for impact. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and, and that, it takes energy to do that. And that there's that anxiety of like, oh God, how bad is it going to be? When's it going to hit? Where's it going to hit? How's it going to hit? What's it going to, what damage is it going to do? It's like you were in that state from the very second you've made the decision you were going to go back. Mm-hmm. And amazingly enough, I never, I never thought this was even in a realm of possibility. After the program, I didn't have anxiety about going home, not to the level at which I did before, Mm -hmm. especially the first time I went home after learning how to meet my needs and learning about, you know, the different aspects of needs and learning that it wasn't their responsibility to meet some of my needs that I was expecting them Mm -hmm. to previously. I wasn't going in there expecting them to meet those needs anymore. And I knew how to stop them from impacting the way that they did. Right. So if there was an impact, I knew how to actually stop that in the moment. I knew how to take the impact and walk away and then process it. I learned all of these tools and it really made the experience of going home so much more enjoyable because after the first time I went, we talked about like, okay, these are the things that could happen. Like these, like there are some consistencies. Well, it was before the first time you went yeah, back, wasn't yeah, actually, it? It was like, before the first time like, in preparation yeah. for. And it wasn't like, a, oh God, what are all that? Because I think previously it had been like, you were trying to think of like all the things that could potentially go wrong. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of where it landed. That's kind of where it stopped. It's like, oh, here are all the things that could go wrong while I'm back home. And instead what we did was we kind of focused our attention and went, okay, so what are the things that are most likely to happen? And how would you, how can you support yourself and your needs if they do happen, when they happen, uh, so that you know how to deal with it. So you don't have to, in that moment where you're triggered and charged, figure it out. You already have the strategy. You already know what need, you know how to deal with it ahead of time. So that when you're in that situation, you can just go through that process, whether it's setting a boundary, whether it's removing yourself from the situation, whatever it is. And it allowed you to, uh, I think when we kind of talk about the anxiety around that fear of needs being compromised in the future, it, it meant that you felt more reassured that even if these things that happened, because um, we, we talked about it earlier with the setting boundaries being um, something with how that that we can use to manage the impact that other people have on us. That was the fear. It was like, oh God, what's going to happen? Um, the, these things are likely to happen and it's going to negatively impact my needs. Well, because you already knew how to deal with that, it meant that you felt more reassured that your needs were going to stay taken care of while you were there. Yes. And I was able to meet my needs consistently while I was there, you know, so that I was building building up that resilience. And it's actually kind of funny because I always put a buffer on the end of going home. I'd be like, I need to come back so that I can recover. It was yeah, it was it was a recovery. You had a you had a recovery day when you yes. got home because <laughs> you knew how intense and challenging that was gonna be, right? I did. Every every time for mm-hmm. many, 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 many years. <laughs> But Claire actually offered a suggestion. As, as, I, as I sometimes do. <laughs> and that was, why don't you take a day before you leave to really build up your resources, to meet your needs, to fill your cup before you go. Make sure you're at 100% when you get there. So then when, and it was when my Not needs if, were impacted, yeah. 
I wasn't, it wasn't hitting me while I was already depleted. I was resourced to a certain level. And I know Claire has a really good example that's a little bit off for me. <laughs> However, if, if I, I believe that it's still a good example. Right. And it's funny because I remember when I, when I offered this suggestion to you, I like, Oh my God. Like, how have I never thought about doing this myself? Like, well, shit. Yeah, well, shit. It really is that simple. (laughs) It's like, I've thought about recovering after I've been impacted, but why have I never thought about supporting myself and resourcing myself so so that when I get impacted, it's not at a depleted level? So yeah, there is an example. I'm going to show a little bit of my my inner geek here um, uh, that I'm very, very proud of. So uh, (laughs) I have have no no issues sharing this with the world. Um, And that is that um, in Star Star Trek, it's how the uh, it's how the shields work on the ship, and so what happens is, is that they have these shields to defend themselves in their if they're in an attack with uh, other people. And what, in an ideal um, situation, when they go into battle, the shields start at a hundred percent. So the shields are at 100% and they get impacted, maybe the shields then go down to 80%, but they've still got 80% shields there. If they get impacted again, they might go down to 60 and then 40, then 20, then zero. If they get, if, if something um, gets fired at them, when their shields are at 100%, they still have some some um, resistance after the fact. If they had no shields up, the shields were at 0% and they got impacted, that's when the ship's going to get damaged. It's no longer the shields that are being affected, it's the actual ship itself. And so the same is kind of true with our needs. If we go in with our needs being well met to begin with, if our needs are at 100% for want of a better analogy, and then something comes along that impacts those needs, we go down to 80%. Well, 80% is still pretty well met for our needs especially in a society where most of us aren't getting our needs well met we go in at 80 percent it's like oh okay i'm still okay so i can still keep going even better when you understand how to meet your needs when something comes along if your needs are at 100 something comes along and impacts your needs it drops you down to 80 percent if you're like okay my needs are down to 80 percent which need has been impacted what can i do to build that need back up and you go bing and you go back up to 100% again. Uh, and the other example is that I'm, I'm, I'm all about the geeky analogies today. It's a little bit like when you're playing a computer game and uh, if you've um, had your health has been impacted because somebody's attacked you or something uh, and then all of a sudden you find a med pack and you, you kind of walk over, collect the med pack and bing, your health goes back up to 100% again. And that's kind of the way that this uh, this works with needs is that when you know what needs have been impacted, you it's like you've got a, like, a, um, like a med pack that you're carrying around with you so that when that need gets impacted, you can be like, okay, what need or needs have been impacted? I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. And often they're things that are very quick and see- simple to do once um, once you identify these things and be like, okay, so I do this and I can't build it back up again. I'm back. My shields are back up to 100%. And this is the thing is that what we want to be able to do is, um, is to be able to support ourselves in having obviously healing from, and that was one of the things is that before you went back for that, that first time after you'd done the needs work, we had gone back and we'd done some healing around using the, the, um, the needs tools, um, to, um, support you in starting to heal some of the, the past traumas that you'd experienced for not having your needs met and some of the childhood stuff. So we'd looked at the stuff in the past. It meant that you went in resourced in the present with your shields 
at 100%, like fully activated as you went into that environment, which meant that when these things happened, they weren't going to actually like impact you and take you out and negatively, your needs weren't going to go down to negative percent. Because that's the thing is, if, you're, if your needs are at zero because your needs aren't well met and someone comes along and impacts them, you go into a negative space then. Then you're in an unmet need and that unmet need is then going to pull the strings as we know and affect our choices and our behaviors because um, the unmet need is so powerful. So if we go in at 100%, our needs are currently and presently being met, which means those, those impacts as they come through don't affect us so much and we can use our little kind of portable med pack to put us back up to 100% again. And then when you also then add to that as well, on top of that, okay, here are the things that could happen in the future. What am I going to do to make sure my needs stay met if slash when they happen? It means that even when like the, that fear of our needs not being met in the future, again, is kind of neutralized and melts away because it's like, okay, I, I know I'm going in at 100%. So one, I'm, 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 I'm able to deal better with those impacts and I'm able to put it back up again. But if this big thing comes along that I know kind of hits a lot of my needs at quite a serious level, if we get one hit that takes us down to 20% rather than 80% because it's, it's a bigger impact, then what ends up happening is that we know, okay, in that situation, what are the boundaries I'm putting down? How am I dealing with that? Am I going to remove myself from the situation so I go away and meet my needs again so I can build back up to 100% before I put myself back in that environment again so we can take it and look at this look at this needs work and this is what was so beautiful with the family situation was I, I saw you look at the all of the aspects of anxiety and we address every single one of them and the experience of watching you go home that first time was really quite remarkable because I, I wasn't seeing this kind of stressed out, anxious Serena like in this ball of tension before you went back and came back completely depleted and wiped out. You came back and were like, well, okay, there was this thing that happened and I feel like maybe I could have dealt with that a little bit better. So we talked about it and oh yeah, I could have dealt with that. Oh, so next time I'm in that situation, I'll be able to do it. So every time you went back after that, it got better and better and better mm -hmm. as well. That was saying we didn't wasn't just wasn't just like a one and done. We've done the need stuff and this is how it's going to be with a family situation. You learned and grew, uh, grew through that process, growed, grew through that process in order that uh, things got better and better and better, um, which created a really beautiful actually conclusion. I know we've spoke about it um, uh, earlier quite quite one some way but I can't even remember which episode it was about the experience you have with uh, when your when your grandmother passed and it was such a beautiful experience because the the unmet needs and the the family dynamics were no longer it no longer affected that experience so mm -hmm. it could be what you wanted it to be and you, what you created it to be basically absolutely it's i mean it really did it it made a it made a huge difference in how i operated in that moment how i operated from going forward with those dynamics and like claire said in the end i wasn't there was a point a couple of years ago i was like oh gosh well you know she's getting old and she's you know my grandmother's probably going to pass and right now i'm not feeling so great about what's happening because mm -hmm. i was coming to her as a granddaughter in a grandparent relationship. And it's like, no, we're both adults. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited to come back. I remember being like, what we talked about, it happened. And I did this. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> and it worked. I think yeah. I had the belief that it would actually work. I It took me actually doing it to be like, oh, well, shit. <laughs> 
yeah I, re- I remember that and, and it was like and and the thing about it was like I think it was like intellectually you knew logically it was going to work there was a mm-hmm. thing of like yeah I can totally see how this is going to work but that knowing in your body that experiencing it took it to that whole new level and yes. I watched you kind of go <clears throat> yes it should work but this is my family. So is it really gonna? And yes, it should work, but I've never found anything in the past that's worked. So, you know, almost 40 years of trying different things uh, in, in year 38, am I really going to make the change now? And you, and I, and also you'd have professional support in the past with it as well. I mean, this wasn't the first time that you'd had somebody who was a professional help you and support you with these dynamics. And that hadn't really been as effective previously. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Yeah. And this was the thing that made it click. And I was like, because I could facilitate it for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So anything else you want to share about that before I share a couple of experiences from my... I think we've heard a lot from me. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to give a couple of quick examples. So um, the first is um, was ending a relationship. And it was very similar to Serena's um, situation with um, leaving her job. And that was um, when I was thinking about ending a relationship that I knew was not a good relationship. I mean, it was... It, it was not a good relationship. It was a very toxic relationship. It was very unhealthy. Um, and um, But even knowing that, the thought of ending it before I really, really embodied this um, understanding of my needs and this practice around um, meeting them, not just as a kind of daily practice in the morning, but as that kind of a, a consistent tool that I used navigating my day-to-day life, um, there was this fear that if I ended the relationship, my needs weren't going to get met and that all my needs were going to be compromised. And again, that wasn't like a conscious, oh, if I end this relationship, my needs are going to get met. Like the thought of ending the relationship created anxiety. And when I looked into it, it was like, oh, that anxiety is a fear that this person is meeting my needs. And therefore, actually, the fear is that my needs are not going to get met if I end the relationship. The interesting thing was when I did this kind of deep work about understanding and meeting my own needs, I realized that actually when I could see the big picture and I could see it for what everything it was, I actually have more anxiety about staying because the relationship and the other person was consistently compromising and draining my needs almost on a daily basis. It was so, um, it was so toxic to be around. I remember I, I actually had a friend who came out to visit us for a short period of time and I was driving her back to the airport and I, I remember she, she said to me, she said, can I ask you a favor? And I'm like, yeah, of course you can, it's me. And she said, can you please stop compromising everything you are and everything you need to not upset or um, bother him? And I was like, okay, didn't realize I was doing that. Let please say more. Like, so we had a, we had a conversation. Continue. Like, do continue. I'm like, because my initial response was what? Because I didn't notice that I was doing it. And then when it was somebody kind of like held out the mirror, and I was like oh my God, she's right. Like I'm constantly compromising myself. I'm constantly making myself small. I'm constantly making excuses for him. I'm constantly um, being gaslit around. I mean, there was just a constant um, toxic behavior. Um, And I wasn't aware of the impact it was having on my needs on a daily basis. And when I actually stopped, once I was meeting my own needs and so my unmet needs weren't pulling the strings, I was able to go, oh my goodness, this person in this relationship is draining my needs on a daily, daily basis. 
hold on a second, that gives me way more anxiety about staying in the relationship than it does about leaving. That's not to say that I didn't have any anxiety at all about leaving because of course some of my needs weren't going to get well met. And as we spoke about previously, like there are needs that I can meet for myself. We do have a need for connection and community and relationship though. But I think what had happened was I I kind of got into a very warped space with this where I become dependent on this one person for all of those other things. And in actual fact, I needed to realize, actually I've got a load of other places that I can get that connection and community and relationship. I've got Serena, I've got my family, I've got other friends. And actually, in actual fact, those are healthy places where I can get that 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 those needs met without having my other needs compromised. And and I can do so until I'm ready to get into a space where I might be willing to and ready to explore an intimate relationship again. Um, so there was another very interesting experience where the unmet need was actually masking and hiding the anxiety that was being created by the relationship because there was a part of my brain going, but wait, it's meeting some of our needs. It, let's ignore the fact it isn't that it's costing a load of the other needs because we don't know any other way of meeting these needs yet. As soon as there's another way of meeting that needs, we get to see the whole picture and it's like, whoa, oh my goodness. Yes, I think leaving this relationship is the best idea. <laughs> it was, it was best to see, one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's a, a, another example. But another example I think is really interesting and kind of very kind of potent and present right now is my current situation. So I am currently in a position where I, as I've shared on previous podcasts, I have applied for my working visa to stay in the US in order to be able to work over here. And um, there was a lot of work that was involved in actually preparing the application in order to submit it. There was, uh, we went, and then there was a lot of things that, that, again, previously would have been very anxiety inducing in the process. We had the attorney we were working with ghosted. Um, We ended up having to change attorneys last minute and actually we ended up changing the visa we applied for last minute. And there were so many things in the the process that were like, oh my goodness. And like previously I'd have been like, oh, this is so overwhelmed. I would have been overwhelmed with anxiety about it. But in actual fact, because I knew how to meet my needs, I'm like, okay, what what needs are coming up right now? This need is coming up. Okay, what do I need? To, what do I need to meet? Okay, I need to I need to take a few deep breaths, or I need to lie on the ground and have feel like feel supported right now. Um, and there were a bunch of different things I was able to do as the things were unfolding. But with the situation we're in right now is the application is in. There is nothing more I can do about it. I am just waiting for somebody else to make a decision. And I've had people say to me, oh my goodness, that must be so anxiety inducing. The fact that there's nothing you can do, you're just waiting. And like, you've just got to wait and hope that it goes your way. And the thing about it is that previously, that's what would have happened. I probably would be working myself like, what if this happens? What if that doesn't happen? And the thing about it is that all of those what ifs, I know I'm going to be okay because I know how to meet and support my needs. Yes, there's an ideal scenario and how this unfolds. And that's what we're, that's what we work so hard to create. And that's what we're holding the intention of. And that's what we're putting all of the energy into. And of course, there are those kind of questions. Well, what if? But now I think they're questions rather than anxieties. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, what would happen in this situation? What would need to happen in that situation? How would we navigate the business in that situation? How would I make sure my needs get met in that situation? Here, like, what, what are our other options in that situation? 
situation. So rather than it becoming like filled with anxieties about these possibilities that may or may not happen, instead it's like, well, let's let's look at what the options are. Let's look at what the outcomes are. Okay, so how would I meet my needs in that situation? How would I meet my needs in that situation? How would I meet my needs in that situation? And the fact that I'm meeting my needs in the present and I know how to meet my needs in any one of those scenarios in the future means that actually I'm in I mean, we, we, we worked really hard. We've, we've put together a really good case or what we think is a really good case. And we're hoping that that creates the outcome that we're looking for. But in the interim, I'm actually feeling quite grounded when everyone sort of says that I'm like, well, actually, no, I'm not feeling anxious because there's nothing I can do about it right now. And I'm okay in this moment. And I'm enjoying being, enjoying being here in this moment. and I'm meeting my needs in this moment. And I know that no matter what the outcome in the future, that we will, uh, that I will be okay and that my needs will be taken care of. Um, I don't remember, there was another example in uh, in another podcast that we shared where I don't remember which podcast it was. Um, I'm normally so good at remembering which podcast things are in. Um, but in this moment, uh, uh, it's my memory is, uh, is, is kind of failing me momentarily where we were talking about our relationship and how um, if, if something went pear-shaped and eventually, and, and all of a sudden, uh, we decided we needed to go our own separate ways, both as friends personally and as friends professionally. Um, that moment that Serena said to me, oh, okay, well, you know what? I'd be okay. I'd be fine. My needs would still be met. I'm like, yes, they would still be met. <laughs> because, uh, but the, uh, but, and that's the thing is that that's another example whereby because our friendship is so strong and we are, we're such a great support system for each other, both with it professionally and personally, previously I can't I mean I can't speak for Serena but I know myself the thought of our relationship potentially ending our friendship ending mm-hmm. would be like oh, oh my god I can't live without you like what would I do would I actually would I how would I cope how would I survive and that would have been a very real thought of mine maybe 10-15 years ago mm-hmm. and now I'm like well of course I would be devastated in the sense that my heart would be broken because I love you and um, I would be disappointed and that's not how I want things to unfold but I would be okay because I know how to meet my needs. So that there's no anxiety about that happening because I know that my needs will be met. And I think that's what you were kind of communicating to me when you had that conversation with me, right? Yes, absolutely. So um, anything you want to add about this before we finish up? Can you guess my answer? I'm guessing it's a no. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be consistent. (laughs) And then sometimes a little... Unexpected. Yeah, I know we like that. So I don't know whether you heard it recently, but we did a podcast recently where she was like, Yes, there is. I'm like, Yay! (laughs) That's the reason I asked the question, because I don't want to finish the podcast and then have you say to me afterwards, Oh, there was something I wanted to add to that one. (laughs) Ah, shucks. Oh, I don't know why my screensaver has just come on. That was really bizarre. So we have been we've been recording podcasts for quite some time now, and my screensaver has never popped up in the middle of recording. Oh, well, let's just make sure we are still recording. Yes, we are. Okay. I think we're all good. And I think that's our note to uh, wrap it up. Sign, sign from the universe. <laughs> you're done with this episode. Okay. <laughs> Message received and understood. Thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. We really appreciate it. Um, stay safe. We're sending you lots of love. And remember between now and our next episode to continue to keep meeting your needs. Lots of love. Bye, Bye guys. That's it for today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe rate and give us a written review as it will help more people find us and remember anxiety is often a response to or a fear of unmet needs so knowing how to meet these needs for yourself can drastically reduce anxiety in your life well shit 
It really is that simple. 